0: Greetings, fellow time travelers. <sighs> Woke up this morning and my clocks didn't match. So my phone knew what time it was. So we all drug ourselves out of bed. It was like resurrection morning at my house. Bleary eyed. so So here we are. Recovering from the party on the mountain. The diehards are here this morning. So, so Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this gathering of your saints and for your people uh, that you have um, made into a family. And, God, today we pray that you would speak to us exactly those things that you would say to us, God, that you give us ears to hear. God, and, and hearts to receive, God, that you would soften us with your anointing oil, God, that you would engraft this word into us, God, that you would plant it, that you would water it, that you would bring the increase, that you would cause it to grow up inside of us and accomplish exactly what you have intended, God, you said your word would not return to you void, and we uh, trust you for that promise today. And we just praise you and we glorify you. have your way in this service, as only you can do in the name of Jesus. amen amen. So it's nice to have the young preacher from Marshfield here this morning, and his lovely family we go we go way back, he and I so, since I was but a waif of a child learning to paint under his gentle tutelage. So, so, how many of you know that we have a tendency to um, categorize sins as not so bad and really bad, De- deplorable or ignorable, you know, they, they could be, it's like, oh, that's trivial, that's really bad, kind of depends on who did it, doesn't it, like, well, if it was mine, it was kind of trivial, if it was his, it was deplorable, like, I can that's like that brings the raised eyebrows, uh, you know. In fact, that, you know, of course, the Catholic Church has like a whole teaching on on that very thing, um, you know. But the thing is, is that you know we understand that the Bible says that if you've broken one commandment, then then you've broken them all. And so uh, Jesus paid for those same trivial sins, just like He paid for those really terrible. Ugly, gross sins, and so uh, you know, Paul encountered these people who uh, took the things that he was teaching about the the grace and the mercy of God, and and they said, well, "Okay, so Paul is saying that we should just sin because we're making grace," and and uh, uh, you know, the funny thing about that is it's easy to spend somebody else's money, you know, Jesus paid for it he he paid for our sins and it's 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 easy to spend someone else's money when you don't uh, feel the cost of it um mike and i do work for this big corporation and they pay for uh the vast majority of the materials that we use and it's easy to just spend their money it's like okay well they're paying for it so i don't really care how much it costs um but jesus wants us to be aware of of the cost to not not be spending his money carelessly in fact he doesn't expect you to spend it at all because he's already welcome because he he has already paid for those sins past and uh, his expectation is that that we won't continue in that go with me to romans chapter six (coughs) appreciate everyone praying for me and my family Friday was the first day I felt like I wanted to live. Someone told me it can take a few months to fully recover from uh, having pneumonia, which I thought sounded like not exactly what I wanted to hear. Mike and I went to work uh, this week and easy day. Easy project after about two hours, we were panting and coughing and sitting down and just staring at each other wide eyed like how are we gonna do this bro so getting off of my medicine helped a great deal. I feel a lot better now but uh so so you know i uh still appreciate the Lord you know, how he, how he touches us and 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 how he's that, that divine physician because when God heals you, he doesn't doesn't make you nauseous and sleepless and give you joint pain. So, yeah. it's like, you you got to love the list of the side effects. And I talked about that last week. It's like, man, all I had was, you know, itchy, runny, watery eyes. And like, you know, now I have cirrhosis of the liver and <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like,
0: dang it. You know, you see those people that have, you know, the little, they have a pile of pills they take every morning. It's like, well, I take this because it, you know, because this medicine makes this happen. So I was taking an anti-nausea pill with my antibiotics. Man, this is fun. So so like I said, we have this tendency to to view sins in um, varying degrees of uh, disgusting deplorableness and 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 they're really all the same. And and of course God doesn't expect sin to be a, a part of our life. Um uh, and so we uh, we have to be diligent because you know when you uh if you work in a noisy environment uh you kind of grow accustomed to it and it doesn't seem quite so loud as it does to somebody that that's maybe not accustomed to it. And so Warren Brother Virgil. So we uh we live in a very noisy society, as it were, and it's very easy to become calloused and, and jaded with all the the sin that goes on around us. And uh, the uh I believe they call it the... Uh, cultural relativism or something like that that you know as a culture begins to accept things they become normal and and then you it just it doesn't seem so bad and and you can see that um uh even here in in this church you know i i i know there for a fact i can think of things that to me seem normal uh and and you know tame even that um 40, 50 years ago um, you know would have uh, been you know a horrifying thing that, that nobody in the church would think that was acceptable but as our culture has become more and more depraved it's, it's amazing to see what we find acceptable. Um, so it's easy then to um, if you let your guard down, to find these little things creeping in, you know. In, in Songs of Solomon, of course, he talks about the the little foxes spoiling the vine, and we're all familiar with that. And everybody knows what that means about these those little things that that, that creep in, and uh, and that's where it starts. Uh, because uh, you know, God gave us the the example of the moon, and how just a little bit at the time, a little bit at a time, the time, the Earth gets in the way, and it. Until eventually you grow dark, you know. And uh, you know, Casting Grounds did a great song about that called "Slow Fade," about how you know things don't just happen to you all at once. It's just a little of this, a little of that, and then before you know it, um, it's uh, it's easy to to have those things creep in if you're not paying attention. And so, so he talks about that a little bit here in Romans six. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid! How are we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So, so he says that we're we're dead to it. You, know, it's like you ever had had somebody that you didn't really want to deal with anymore? You're dead to me. You know, it's like you, did, you know you you mean nothing to me now, and and uh, you know sin is like that. It's like it, it's it's dead to you, and you're dead to it. So it has no power over you. Know ye not that so many of us, as we're baptized in Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. So you know, baptism, of course, means washing. But there is with it this sense of identification. So you're baptized into Christ. So you're uh, identifying with him. So the uh, the things that he does, those are the things you're going to do. Those things that he stands for, those are the things that you stand for. And so, so having been baptized into him, then we're then baptized into this death. So, uh, it's easy to say on a nice, beautiful morning when you're sitting in church. It's not so easy when, you know, God is dealing with you about an issue and, and uh, you'd really, really like to have it your way. And,. God would really, really like to have it His way, and uh, and it's precious how He He lets you make that decision. He doesn't force a decision on you, and um, but He's so wise to get you in this place where choosing your own way doesn't even make sense. You know, it's like, well, it wouldn't. His choice actually seems to be the most reasonable, and. Uh, uh, so he's, he's very very wise about how he does those things. Therefore we're buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so we should also walk in newness of life. So it's not just about that, that, that coming down to dying to yourself. But there's also this life that comes up in you. This, this life that comes from him. For if we have been planted... Together, in the likeness of his death, then we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Excuse me, goodness. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, and that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And that's that's an interesting thing, should not serve sin. You know, like what's that old Bob Dylan song? It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. You know, and it might be you. It might be him. It might be your wife. It might be whoever. But but indeed, you will serve someone, and uh, and we should indeed be servants to one another uh, in the church. And uh, uh, the Bible says that if you you know if you want to be the the greatest, then you should be the servant of all. But that that all has to fall under this sense of um, being servant to God first. And so, uh, uh, you know, he's taken away this uh, sense of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Commitment or um, liability to anyone else. It's not the word I'm looking for, but you get what I'm saying. He's taken away this idea of you know, that I, I owe this to this person or whatever because, or that I owe this thing to my flesh because I've I've I'm I'm dead to sin. So this this thing, this, you know, that wants my allegiance, that wants uh, um, my obedience, uh, it has no pull on me. It, it has no no real claim on me. So he says that he that is dead is freed from sin. So you know we I mean everybody in the world understands that uh, um, when when you die when you actually die and they put you in the ground then you're, you're done with this life. And um, you know I, I think a lot of times people have a, a rather skewed view of, of who makes heaven. You know and you know people like to put people in heaven or not. Um, uh, and, and, of course, that's God's business. Uh, but, you know, I, I tried to explain to my family, for example. My family, you know, they're good people. They they believe in God, sort of, in this kind of agnostic sort of way. And uh, and so I tried to explain to them, I was like, it's not, you know, it doesn't matter that you're good people. It doesn't matter that you don't break any laws. It doesn't matter that you, you know... That you you go to work and you do your thing. The thing that that makes the prayerly gates swing open is the blood of Jesus Christ and nothing else. Nothing else will avail you anything when you come to that that moment, you know. And so, but you always hear people. It's like, oh well, they've gone to a better place, you know, and all that. And so we understand that that sense of you know having died to this life, then uh, then you are indeed freed those things. And, uh, you know, this last few weeks I kind of felt like I might die. And the idea of, wow, I have a business to run and things to do just sort of seemed rather unimportant because I was just worried about how am I going to not cough in the next five minutes and and keep breathing. So, uh so he that is dead, then, is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So it's nice because he keeps talking about this dying thing, but he keeps talking about this life thing that comes with it. Because if, uh, you know, he what, did it, what was it Paul said to the Corinthians? He said that if, uh, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, then we're of all men most miserable. So, you know, if, you know if if he didn't uh rise from the dead, then we would all be in a big puddle without the shoes for it, so uh we have this um this life that we partake of as well as as the dying and and that's and that's what Jesus understood coming to the cross he knew that he he had to pay that price for us, but it said that for the joy that was set before him he he endured those things. And and we all understand that sometimes to to get something valuable, uh, you have to go through something costly. You have to go through a painful experience to to get it. Um, I watched my children being born. And so, gathered some sense of of how uncomfortable that was. Um, I, I mean, it was uncomfortable for me. To be quite honest, Um, I think it was a little more uncomfortable for Cynthia. Um, I did, however, pass out the first time around, so those of you who were around back then, you guys all remember. Yep. Yep. Well, something about seeing the, the love of your life and, and all this distress and pain and there's nothing you can really do about it, it's kind of disconcerting. So, uh, and of course, if you stand too long with your knees locked and then you bend them, <laughs> then you will most likely pass out like I did. So I collapsed with a crash into the, the bathroom there, right off of the little room. And She thought, oh no, what am I going to do without my coach? I know, and it's like, yeah, well, and this it, it, it is the most hopeless, helpless feeling. Like, what am I supposed to do? You hold her hand and breathe, honey. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's there's nothing you can really do at that point but stand there helplessly and hold her hand. It's no wonder they used to just have the guy just wait in the waiting room. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think that's probably just as useful, you yeah, know, well, like. Let me just go get some cigars and and just pace around nervously in the in the hall I mean uh, yeah so but having come through that experience then then you end up with this uh, wonderful little bundle of joy and uh, you know for the first few weeks or so when they cry it's really cute you know. And then eventually it's kind of more of a blood-curdling, raises the hairs on the back of your neck at three in the morning, kind of scream, but uh, I've woken up in the middle of the night hungry and thought about screaming like that too, but (laughs) (laughs) not so much. But as you can see, my beautiful, polished family, that having been through those uh, unpleasant experiences yielded something wonderful. So, so that's the thing that we find as we we come into this place where we uh, we we yield. Then, which is what we're getting ready to read. We yield to the things that God would do in our life. We yield to that dying to ourselves. Then, by yielding to Him, and from that um, really comes a blessing. So, now. Verse 8, Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more. Death has no more dominion over Him. So if it has no more dominion over Him, it has no more dominion over you. For in that He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He lives, He lives unto God. Likewise reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. Excuse me, sorry. <clears throat> Likewise reckon yourselves also to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as unright- instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under the law but under grace so um, it's pretty self-explanatory it's pretty clear that uh, you know those like I said at the beginning you know sin kind of has this tendency to uh, to want to creep in a bit at the time and some some little thing will kind of try and get past all your, your checkpoint charlie's and before you know it it's like you have this enemy in the gates and so uh but what he talks about here is um that that it has no dominion over you and that it can't reign over you unless you allow it to because you have to yield to it and uh it's so when you have uh uh when you have somebody telling you to do something, um, typically they, uh, they can't make you do it. Um, you know, when I was a kid, it never really occurred to me that nobody could make me do anything. So I just did what I was told. And uh, I, I had this unreasoning fear of getting uh, in trouble. And so um, the first time I got uh, got in trouble in second grade, and I had to go sit in the corner I just sat in the corner and wept because I didn't know what was going to happen to me now. It's like, I have never been in trouble before. This is terrible. No. The teacher just kind of stared at me for a while. Hey, are you okay? He's like, oh, okay, okay, just go sit down. You're all right. So, contrition goes a long way, but... Um, let's see he's never been in trouble because he's he's a good kid everybody likes Jeremy so popular kid but uh, um, like I said it never occurred to me that you know like how would they make me do anything so I just figured well if that's the rule, then I should obey the rules, so I'll just do it. Some children, you have to come up with some sort of way to make them, you know, and um, some people are more creative at that than others. But um, uh, So then, uh, following the rules, then obeying somebody, uh, really honestly requires a sense of, of yielding. Because if you don't Yield, then you have to have um, pressure of some sort uh, to uh, placed t- to bear on you to get you to uh, to then acquiesce to this um, this thing that, that uh, you're being asked to yield to, and uh, it's just like every every kid that's ever given his little brother a, a chicken wing and told him to say uncle, so. Uh, so he says in fifteen. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are. To whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. And so, uh, um, so those those little thoughts then uh, they they come in and in the. Often in kind of a sneaky, offhand sort of way, it's like, "Hey, what do you think about this?" And, and you find yourself entertaining this thought, and you kind of have to shake it off. It's like, "Wait a minute, now, no, no, I, I'm not. I, I don't. I'm not down with that. I don't go that way." And and so, uh, but what he talks about here is is we have an adversary that uh, has a an intention to get you to obey him, to obey this uh, uh, temptation of your flesh, because uh, you know, typically the temptation to sin is not—you know—it's a temptation. It's not not some sort of thing that seems really aberrant uh, um, to your flesh, at least off the top of your head. It's like, ooh, no, of course I wouldn't want to do that. It's it's always some some pretty thing, and uh, and then uh, with it seems to come this sense of it's like almost like somebody putting a, a rag with chloroform over your face while you're trying to fight it off, and and uh, it's like it's like having uh, it's like being captured by by the enemy army. It's like being questioned. Like, wouldn't it just be easier to just give me what I want and then this can all stop? Um, but we have this example that that uh that Jesus gave to us that that he didn't yield. And and so he uh he wants us to be servants to him and not the servants of sin, not the servants of the flesh, not the servants of your of your mind. Uh, um because um, because those things are contrary to the the things that um uh, uh that God would have for us. Uh, the the way that he would have us to live. So he says, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. And you have obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine that was delivered to you. So, so you've moved past that place because having accepted Christ, then, then you're made free from that. Just like he said that he that is dead is free from sin. So you're freed from that. And he's brought you into this place where he says being made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness and <coughs> excuse me and you yield to that righteousness that uh impulse for righteousness the same way you you would yield to this impulse to sin and because it's it's like having a choice it's like do you want this or do you want this which which one are you going to obey and uh you know, and, I mean, essentially that it comes down to are you going to obey your flesh or are you going to obey your spirit? Because your spirit wants to do those things that, that God would, would have you to do. Because it's, it's him living inside you. It's his spirit that came from him and, and it, it, it can't be tempted to sin. So he says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. But what fruit had you in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. And every single one of us could look back at our life and think, What fruit had I in those things whereof I am now ashamed? Um you know many of you uh, i'm sure have heard or possibly even seen these uh tapes that, uh, that Mike and DJ and i recorded in our youth and that scripture often occurred to me as uh, over the years as i grew steadily older like, what fruit had you in those things because you look at those tapes and think like, wow so they have all been destroyed. Uh, there is nothing living in all of them except uh, the memories of those who have seen them, and and hopefully those those will all fade as well. But um, but so we all have those things in our life, you know, real foolish things. Uh, the, the things that he's talking about in this chapter, that yielding uh, to to sin and being freed from righteousness. Um, we all have those things that we remember, but uh, the Bible says that uh, as far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us. So we remember, but God forgets about them, casts them into the sea of forgetfulness, and and He doesn't bring it up again. And so that's a it's a precious thing because you know uh, it's never never the the most fun thing to have somebody remind you of how you owe them something you know I like how Paul uh, pulled down on Philemon it's like you know being such a one as Paul the aged like I won't tell you how I, I won't remind you how you owe me your own soul besides but I would like for you to do this this little thing for me you know if you don't mind because you know you owe me and so they said but being made free from sin and become servants to God you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life, so that's way better than the than the other fruit, isn't it? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life to Jesus Christ our Lord. so you know we all understand that that sin has a payday and uh, but uh, but what God gives us is a gift so so it's not something that that you've earned you all understand that um, but he does. He doesn't give it to you without expectation uh, and because he just spent all this time talking about uh, who you're going to yield to, who you're going to serve. So he says, so I've given you this gift of eternal life. I've made you free from sin, but uh, this is something that you gotta, you got to walk in. you got to make up your mind. This is, this is what I'm doing. This is the direction I'm going because uh, your, your inner man won't – it can't sin. But you can, you can keep it small and, uh, um, and you can, you know, eventually just, you know, eventually it's just gone. And so this, uh, um, you know, and the, the, the mercy of God is um, far beyond what I could explain to you. You know, in, in Job he talked about um, that you could have a tree that was cut down and dead and through the scent of water. It could be revived, so so I'm not saying that you could go so far as to just be uh, forsaken, but um, uh, but God has a uh, he he has a, a just and holy requirement of uh, of repentance and, and obedience, and so um, that's where we where we begin and um, Having this fruit unto holiness that he that he talks about here in verse twenty two uh, requires a sense of diligence, you know. And part of what what got me thinking about this was uh, uh, after just laying around for over a week um, and just feeling terrible in general, I I, I realized these these little things. That had just sort of crept into my mind that didn't really strike me as being all that terrible at, at the time, and uh, um, and I was was reading along in the Word, and and uh, uh, and it, it just felt like God was talking to me about these things. So, if you think that I'm I'm beating on you, I am, but uh, but I'm also talking to me because we all need that sense of uh, diligence. Um, in in our walk, because God does indeed give us uh, a responsibility. Go with me over to Hebrews 12. I actually have a couple more places to go. I was thinking about when am I going to find time to put this study together on Saturday with, uh, with the wedding and had somebody coming to look at my house in the morning yesterday and um, I sat down to put this together Friday night and it just sort of all came together really nice and, and neat which uh, doesn't always happen but uh, um, I thought wow I'm going to have to hurry through this to get to fill all this in but um, I just I found myself over here in Hebrews because anytime God talks to you about um, any kind of Course correction, or or just calls your attention to paying attention. Uh, this this always seems to come to mind to me. Uh, and he starts out. I like how he starts out in here. He talks a little bit about peer pressure at the at the beginning of this chapter. He says, "Wherefore, seeing that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses." Here in Hebrews eleven, we have this this great um, pantheon of these these heroes of the faith as we called them and and so he says, So being surrounded by this cloud of witness, then then let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And it and it does happen easily if you're not paying attention. And run with patience the race set before us. You know, I mean uh have you ever, you know, stood around with a bunch of people that you looked up to and Listen to them share their their uh, their uh, gritty stories of the things that they've been through, and you're thinking, well, I, um, you know, I stubbed my toe the other day, and it really hurt. You know, or you know, you people are are asking for prayer at the end of the service, and it's like all these really just terrible, uh, serious, dire prayer requests, and you're like. Thing in my ear, it's like, you know, it just feels funny. I don't like it. You know, you're not going to ask for prayer for that. <laughs> After it's like, hey, my cousin is dying of cancer, and my mom is this, you know. And so he, so he's has this sense of peer pressure here. He's talking about it's like so, you know, because here in uh, in eleven, uh, wow, that's a tough place to find a starting and stopping point. Um uh in in eleven thirty seven he says they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted. I like how he puts that in there along with all these other things, they were tempted. Yeah. They were slain with the sword, they were they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. And they wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. These all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. So, so that cloud of witnesses, then, like, okay, so, so then, if if God has uh, brought the, his people down through the ages, through these these tough places, uh, uh, then uh, and they were tempted, then then surely I shall be tempted, but. Uh, they didn't yield, and I'm not going to yield. So he says, Let us lay aside every weight and sin which has so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and set, is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, it's like, you, you look at the example of of the price that he paid and the... the Excuse me, how he was obedient unto death and and it, it uh it, it makes that sense of well but I'd really like to just yield a little bit to this thing, it, it makes it seem awfully pathetic. Um, you know, it's it's uh you know when you when you see somebody who has uh really been through something difficult, then, uh, um, then it, you know, you find yourself not wanting to try and top their story with, with something else. And so, so if, if, you know, uh, so Jesus has already then paid this, this uh, terrible price. And like I said, uh, he endured the cross, despising that shame to pay for those sins, those, those sins that we find either deplorable or ignorable. And, and as I said, it's easy to spend someone else's money, but um, but here he's paid for it uh, very costly. So he says, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind, for you have not yet resisted the blood striving against sin. So so then he's talking about, hey, you, you haven't even, you know, you ain't seen nothing yet, yet you haven't been down the road that he's been down yet so so don't uh, don't don't be faint about the the things that you deal with because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and he's he's been down this path already and, and he's gotten the victory and you can have that same victory by uh, yielding to him. you've forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as the children my son despise not the chastening of the Lord. Nor faint when you're rebuked of him, you know. When I, uh, uh, when I, uh, when I give Zoe the look and use her middle name, and she, she knows, she knows that she has uh, disappointed me. Uh, you know, she just crumples, and uh, like, you know, she just can't deal with Daddy's displeasure. You know, and 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 I think we that happens to us when when. God has something to say. He's like, hey, you know, this, this thing, let's, let's talk about this a little bit. And it's always discouraging. It's like, Man, I was doing so good, I thought. Uh, you know, my, my, my dad got promoted when I was a kid, and he was a foreman for a while at, at the place he worked. And uh, he doesn't really have the personality for it, and he thought he was doing okay with it. And uh, his boss got on to him, and his boss was I remember my dad came home and he was just so discouraged. It, uh, I mean, he just went in his room and just closed the door and just stayed in there for a long time. And he never did that that I could ever remember. And uh, um, and the next day um, he requested to step back down from being a foreman back to being just one of the regular guys again. And uh, but when you and so it's discouraging when you think you're doing something well and then. God has something to say about it. And so um, I I always find myself going over here and reminding myself if God, you know, points out, Hey, you're you're getting a little off center here. You know, for whom the Lord loves, He chastens. And He scourges every son whom He receives. And if you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is He whom the Father chastens not? So it's always encouraging, you know, because if, if God didn't love you, if you weren't one of His, then then He wouldn't deal with you. He wouldn't, he wouldn't bother to point out the, the stuff. But if you be without chastisement were of all our partakers, then you're bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not rather be in subjection to the Father of Spirits and live? For verily, they after a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. That's an interesting way. I like how the margin says, uh, as it seemed good. Don't really think there's much pleasure in chastening your children actually well, except that uh, correction done right afterwards, then they they come hug on you and and they want to sit in your lap and snuggle you. That's that's kind of nice. But no chastening for the for the present seems joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to them that are exercise their bite. So so then uh, everything, just like uh, Fred was talking about on Wednesday night. Everything that God does in our life, whether we perceive it to be good or bad, pleasant, unpleasant, um, is always for our good. It, it, it always has our our best interest at heart. Go with me over to Deuteronomy 30 real fast. You know that's the thing about about parenting. You know I I hate telling my kids no. Believe it or not, that's true, guys. I I hate having to tell you no. But um, you you can't just tell your kids yes to everything. Now, you know, I, I don't recommend this movie at all, but um, if you've ever seen Bruce Almighty, which I shudder to say I have, you know, he gets all these prayer emails because he has this power of God or whatever for a week, and he just answers yes to everything, and it's a humongous disaster. And so... Uh, you know, that's that's the thing is, you know, sometimes you have to be told no. And, um, you know, my parents never told me no much when I was a kid. And uh, uh, it's funny because the older you get, the harder it is to accept they told me no. How dare they tell me no? Like, don't they know who I am? I'm a grown man. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, um, but we all need that. Uh you know, and and you know, you you see the you see young children. You know, you go to Walmart and you you see the kid throwing a fit in the aisle, and clearly their parents don't ever tell them no, or or make them stop with enough pressure. You know, and I I just I can't help but look at those people and I always think, oh man, if that was my kid, then you know there would be there would be doom and gloom. Bounding, but um but, but you know the thing is is providing those kinds of boundaries actually brings children peace you know you, you need that and that's part of what correction done right does to the kids and that and why they come back at you with love after that um so uh in deuteronomy 30 um i'm just going to zip down through here Uh, Verse 10, if you shall hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law. And if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, this commandment which I command you this day is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It's not in heaven that you should say who shall go up to us to heaven or for us up to heaven to bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say who shall go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is nigh thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that you may do it. So you've got this word, and, he's, and, he, and he has indeed put it in you. So uh, God uses that to, to, to talk to us and to, to give us those little, little pointers. And uh, sometimes we, we miss those things. And, and it's uh, as simple as just asking God, hey, help me to pay more attention to these things. And don't let me miss these things if if, uh, if you have, If you're talking to me about something and I just missed it, then tell me again. Because I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. I want to hear what, what it is you have to say. He says, See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land where thou goest to possess it. But, If thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them like yourself. I denounce to you this day that you shall surely perish, and you shall not prolong your days upon the land whither thou passest over the Jordan to go and possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey His voice and cleave unto Him, for He is thy life and the length of days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob, to give to them. So He, this is kind of the end of this big discourse uh, that Moses is giving here in Deuteronomy, and and he, he it kind of ends with this almost a pleading. Like I, I've set before you life and good and death and evil, so please, 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 choose life. You know, and and after all these years that Moses had been with these people, I'm sure he said it like that. Please, 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 choose life. And uh, and so, um, like I said, he he has done these things uh, for our good always, just like uh, Fred Red. In Deuteronomy on Wednesday night, that all those uh, that this thing that He's done here, this I've set life before you. If if you'll just obey Me and and do the things that I've asked you to do, then uh, then you'll be blessed, and and there's a reward that goes with uh, with it that uh, far outweighs any temporary uh, satisfaction that your flesh gets out of. Uh, um, you doing the things that it wants you to do. So, Jesus, we thank you for your word, uh, for your exhortations to us, and we just we, uh, we pray, God, that you would plant these things in us, God, that you would remind us of these things, God, uh, daily, that uh, we wouldn't miss the things that you're saying to us, but that we would be uh, aware um, always of, of your presence in our life, of your word. Uh, being that uh, internal guidance system to us, God help us to to be in tune with it, God, and to be um, vigilant um, against uh, the the little foxes. God, you you gave Adam the job of weeding the garden, Lord, and we want to pay attention uh, to the those same gardens in our own life. And God, we just pray that today you would do exactly what you want to do in this place. God, that Your presence would meet with us and uh, do as only You can. God, You know every need. You know the things that we need in our physical bodies. You know the things that we need spiritually. God, I just I pray that today, God, You would be that great need meter. God, because we are Your people and we need You. And we just pray that uh, today You would pour out Your presence on us and do as only You can do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.